We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on everybody happy sunday welcome back to the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl if you're listening or watching on youtube please make sure to like and subscribe if you're listening to this to wherever you get your favorite podcast on the audio version, please make sure to subscribe and give that five-star review. Always appreciate that, but enough of all that. Let's get into today's main topic. We've now been through family night, preseason week one, preseason week two, a ton of training camp practices, joint practices with the Saints. I think I was at all but two practices of training camp and the two days that I missed were just the walkthrough days. So didn't miss too much on those. So I've seen everything else. And what I want to do today is go over, and we did this sort of last week as well, but today I want to take the 10 players who I think through all of this so far are trending up, the 10 players who I think are very much trending down, and then one player who's just trending all over the place. So we'll finish there, but let's start with a positive and let's start with the 10 players who are trending up. These are not in any specific order, just sort of a general gauge of which players are trending in the right direction. So players that you would want to buy stock in if the players were actually on some sort of NFL stock exchange. So let's start the way we started yesterday by talking about Jordan Love. And I want to be I want to talk about quarterback evaluation here just for a second. So humor me here. I think we get so caught up in what we're seeing on the field as fans that we're not letting true quarterback evaluation breathe. And the reason that I know that is because a you know everyone wants instant gratification. I talked about this with Amon Green the other day and we immediately want to see players come in and dominate. And as I talked to Amon Green about it's like Listen, Amon Green took time to develop, Aaron Rodgers, Donald Driver, Brett Favre, Rashawn Gary, like the De- Devontae Adams was a cute, you know, huge piece of that. Like the vast majority of even the really great Packers, David Bakhtiari, like they took time to develop. They were not finished products in their first couple seasons. Usually it takes a few years. And I do get very much so that Jordan Love is now in year three and we're starting to get to that put up or shut up time. I totally understand that. But the other reason that I know, you know, where fans aren't really allowing quarterback evaluation to live is because after I, you know, after week one, after, you know, Packers 49ers, 
multiple people were commenting on Twitter and on YouTube and everywhere else that Danny Etling is better than Jordan Love. Jordan Love needs to go. Danny Etling is better than Jordan Love. Even some comments on the episode yesterday. Well, Jordan Love only threw 50, you know, completed 50%. That's who he is. Okay, let's hold on for a second. When we're evaluating quarterbacks, we're not doing it necessarily, depending on where they're at in their career, but certainly a player of Jordan Love's, you know, unique, uh, you know, journey through the NFL and where he's at currently you're not evaluating based on who they are right now. Not at that age. Listen, quarterback is a position in the NFL that now goes into its 40s. You are not taking a quarterback as young as Jordan Love, who is younger than some of the players in this current quarterback class draft and saying, well, what is he right now? And that's all that matters. You're just not doing that. You look at the throws, the plus throws that he made in these two games and that is why he was a first round pick. That is why he was, you know, he continues to be developed and potentially groomed as a future starting quarterback. There are just certain traits that Jordan Love possesses that very few throwers of the football in the world possess. Every quarterback, regardless of who they are, is trying to reach their peak potential as a player. And very few get to that top 10, 12, 15 level. And Packer fans have been extremely spoiled by going three decades plus of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And that is going to change you as a fan. And you're going to want to see everything just be amazing down in and down out. That's not how the rest of the NFL has lived over the past 30 years. It just doesn't always work that way. And what you see with Jordan Love, and I've been accused multiple times of being a Jordan Love hater. Um, I'm not a Jordan Love hater, I promise you. I very much, as I've talked about in the past, I very much as a fan of the Green Bay Packers would love to see Jordan Love succeed. I am skeptical uh, that he will ultimately reach his ceiling. But if you cannot see Jordan Love's ceiling and what he still could become, I, I don't know what to tell you. The 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 balls that he's able to throw with timing and with, um, you know, the, the ball to Mari Rogers where he's layering it over defenders, the, the spinner Rooney sideline throw to Patrick Taylor that I know is probably just a hair wide and ultimately incomplete. Those type of things are not normal. Those things cannot be done. And I get that, uh, you know, a untrained eye, a fan of a, a team will look at somebody like Danny Etling making plays with his legs and be like, oh, look what that guy can do out there. You don't win like that in the NFL. This is not a win with your legs position in the NFL. You could, I mean, if it was Tim Tebow, Colin Kaepernick, well, we're not going to talk about Colin Kaepernick, but Tim Tebow and multiple other quarterbacks who had that skill set, Pat White, whoever, whoever you want to bring up here would just be dominant quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, Robert Griffin, you know, and obviously Kyler Murray is a very, very good quarterback. And there's been others as well, Michael Vick, but you have to be able to be a good thrower of the football. Danny Etling, not there yet. Fun player, right? There's no question about it. Super fast, super athletic, brings some unique skill sets to the table. As a emergency quarterback, could even probably go out and play some special teams for you. Like that's the type of athlete that he is. But as a pure pocket passer, I mean, he has years to go and the upside is just not there as a ultimate like number one style quarterback. This is no diss on Danny Etling. This isn't meant to drag Danny Etling here. This just is what it is. 
Now I watch people say Kirk Benkert is gonna is better than Jordan Love and he needs to be the number two. And so, I don't know what to tell you. You're just not seeing that like Kirk Benkert still is not to be claimed. This is not a drag on Kirk Benkert. He's a really like awesome guy. Like took to the Green Bay culture. Wish he was still involved with the Packers in some capacity, but he just didn't have it as a quarterback. And that's evidenced by the fact that he's still not with an NFL team. Wish him the best. Hope he finds someplace. Hope he takes that next step. But it just, the, the upside wasn't there. When you are developing a quarterback, you are looking at plus, 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 plus traits. And that's what you're trying to get out of. And like I said, I'm still semi-skeptical that Jordan Love will ultimately get there. But holy crap, if the last week hasn't given hope to uh, should be everyone for what he could you know possibly become. And I talked about this yesterday. You start now seeing all you saw all the individual puzzle pieces, like pieces right to the side. You had like the box of Jordan Love, like, and you could see what the finished product was supposed to be. But like, he only had maybe like a few pieces of the border and a random piece here or there where you knew where it went, and everything else was incomplete. And you just ever wondered, was this puzzle ever going to finish? And now during this off season and over again, over the course of the last couple of weeks, all of a sudden, a few more of those pieces are in there and you're starting to think, okay, I can see what this is going to become potentially if we can stick with this longer and if we can get to see where those pieces finally fit. Might not ever get there, but if it does, you're talking about a player that has every skill set that you want. Now, there are going to be some massive bumps in the road. Decision-making needs to improve. Accuracy needs to improve. Those are going to be traits that you have. You, you do wonder at some point, can they be improved enough to make a legitimate NFL, you know, a really good NFL quarterback, right? But there's also plays that he's making that, you know, you, you, you're talking about like top 10 NFL quarterbacks at worst are, are the guys that are making those type of plays and type of throws. And there's certain quarterbacks, even as starters, that just can't make that type of play. So that's what you're looking at when you're evaluating a quarterback. If anyone's of the mind right now that Danny Etling is a better quarterback than Jordan Love, you just have to go back and reevaluate and rewatch because that's just not the case. And even if right now, Danny Etling was a slightly better quarterback than Jordan Love, he's not. But if that were the case, it wouldn't matter. There's still not a debate of which one you'd try to develop moving forward. You're, if Danny Etling makes the team and he ultimately starts 15 games, you're going like two and 13 in those games. It just is what it is. There's no, your upside long-term with Danny Etling is like if, if Danny Etling hit everything perfectly, just hit it out of the park is like a, I don't know, like a seven and seven and 10 quarterback. And that might be being generous. There, there's just no, there's no world where you get Danny Etling as a starting quarterback for 17 games and are like perennial playoff team. Maybe you sneak into a playoffs once, but that's just not who it is. And again, I'm very sorry to Danny Etling, friends and family. This is not meant to drag Danny Etling, but there's just certain quarterbacks who have certain ceilings. And this is not where I expected to go for nine minutes on this podcast, but it's still a very important topic. Whereas Jordan Love, there's a good chance that he just is who he is. And that that's ultimately who he is. He's a backup quarterback. He'll continue to get chances because of his high upside. And just because he has, he can make throws that other quarterbacks can't. I mean, your backup, your top backup quarterbacks in the league right now are Taylor Heineke, are Gardner Minshew, are, you know, those type of quarterbacks, right? Like that, that's like, you know, Mitch Trubisky, if, unless he starts, I guess. But like, those are the type of quarterbacks that are your, your top tier backup quarterbacks. Jordan Love will be in that category at worst, probably this year. Um, I think he has the ability to be that and for the foreseeable future. Like that's his floor now is probably a, you know, top to mid tier backup quarterback and he'll continue to get chances because of his upside. But if he hits, if he hits, 
you know, on the high end ceiling, you're talking to top 10 quarterback at worst. And the high end ceiling is, as mentioned, in that Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen range. Don't think he's ever going to get there, but that's where the high end ceiling is. And now the floor, whereas before it was like, all right, is this guy even going to be a good backup? Now the floor is probably good backup, which isn't bad. So Green Bay has a lot of decisions. They're going to have to figure out what to do with Jordan Love long term. But my whole point here is if you're not seeing Jordan Love trending up in the right direction, if you're not getting why Matt LaFleur said he is, what, you know, light years ahead of where he was a season ago, if you're not sure why we've spent the last two days, you know, taking the first 10 to 12 minutes to talk about Jordan Love, this is why. Because there is some real bright side to what he is doing right now, and it's worthy to talk about. And I just want you to be excited about that because regardless of what it becomes, Right now is a very fun time because we're seeing some of those pieces come together and he has the potential to become something, whether that starter or even better than that will remain to be seen, but we're starting to see that come together. Could crash and burn, could be the next great thing. That's There's a random fun lottery ticket there. And I think that I'll end with this, with the Jordan Love piece. I'll end with this by saying, Jordan Love came into the league as a lottery ticket and you knew that like this could either bust big or this could pay off huge. And then we went basically two years, in my opinion, where the, the stock in that lottery ticket, and see, I'm all bringing this around to the stock report. The stock in that lottery ticket kept going down, right? If you held the Jordan Love autograph rookie card, you at the beginning were like, okay, this could be something huge. And then the last two years, you're like seeing the prices drop and drop and drop and drop. Now, if I were investing and maybe I just did, I might buy a couple Jordan Love rookie cards just because you're getting it at the low level. And now we're seeing that there's a chance that this lottery ticket could pay off again. It's still a lottery ticket. You still don't know if you're going to get anything out of it whatsoever outside of maybe now a good backup quarterback, but that lottery ticket is back and the high-end payout is still very much alive. And that is exciting if you are a Packer fan. So number one on my list, Jordan Love. All right, I mean, we're gonna have to go through a lot of the other ones here in a little bit more uh, rapid fire. But number two is Zach Tom. F- yeah, fourth round pick, end of the fourth round, super athletic guy, very you know uh, sound technical wise, needs to put on functional strength. Still think as he evolves, like year two, year three, Zach Tom should be really freaking good. Like, cause he has the technique, he has the want to, he has the athleticism. He just needs to put on a little bit more strength. And if he can do that, which he likely will in an NFL training room over the next couple of years, look the heck out. And I, I'm getting closer to the belief that Zach Tom, even in an ideal condition where Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari are healthy, might end up being one of the top five offensive linemen by the end of this year. And I was talking with a couple people, Zach Cruz and Justice Mosqueda on Twitter on uh, Saturday. Like I think Bakhtiari, Zach Tom, Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr., and Elton Jenkins are your five from left to right. If you want to switch Elton Jenkins, put him at left guard. Zach Tom, put him at right tackle. Okay, no big deal there. And I think there's a couple different ways you can go. But I think Zach Tom, by the end of the year, might be in that top five. And that's saying something. And I think he's very much trending in the right direction. Uh, PFF has good grades on him, both of his games he's played. He's practiced at some time this offseason at all five positions along the offensive line. He has the potential to be very special. And like I said, he's definitely trending in the right direction. Kingsley Nigbari, the next on the list, 
I've talked about in the past, trended down at the beginning of camp, didn't do anything, didn't do anything. And then San Francisco game, he shows up all week versus the Saints. He shows up. I thought he was okay against the Saints. I didn't think he had his the greatest game, but in practices, he was almost unstoppable against the Saints. And like I said, against the 49ers, he really started to show up. And even against the Saints in the game, he had a couple pressures that were pretty impressive. So Kingsley Nigbari definitely trending up and very well could be you know, number three edge rusher by the time the season starts. And if not by the time the season starts, probably by the time the season ends. Number four, Caleb Jones, undrafted rookie free agent. You tell me they signed some six, seven, 370 pound guy. I know he's down a little bit now in weight since then. There's just like, okay, that's a fun flyer to take on a guy. And he brings a different flavor to the, you know, to the offensive line that you don't really have, but like doesn't really fit the system. And, you know, I don't know how he's going to fit in. And I don't know how he's going to move in this scheme and those sort of things. Screw all that. The dude's been awesome, especially like under the lens of undrafted free agent where you just think it's a flyer and you don't think you're going to get anything out of it. Guaranteed that if he doesn't make a 53-man roster either with the Packers or somebody else, that he will be back as the like the top guy on the Packers practice squad. And I am leaning very much as of this moment that Caleb Jones is going to make the 53. That's how impressive he has been. I will love to see Caleb Jones even in a greater capacity to see what just exactly how he can hold up against some of the top tier competition. Again, this is a sink or swim thing. Maybe maybe he's the next Yash Nyman and he's able to become something. Maybe he's the next Alex Light where they give him a couple years and it becomes nothing. But undrafted guy, you don't expect anything from. It has been a very strong start for him. Very excited to see what he can bring to the team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Juwan Winfrey, this is simple. If Aaron Rodgers shouts you out on two separate occasions, one in a press conference, one on a uh, sideline interview that he's impressed with you, that should get everyone's attention and that should tell you exactly the odds of Juwan Winfrey making this team. At the beginning, I was very skeptical. I just, you know, the, the wide receiver math gets very sketchy. It still is very sketchy. But two shout-outs from Aaron Rodgers makes that less sketchy for Jawan Winfrey. And it should be noted, he's played pretty darn well in practice and in preseason as well. Isaiah McDuffie, we talked about him at length yesterday, but I think the most improved player from training camp a season to go to training camp now, he did nothing last year. Did nothing 
of note whatsoever. You watched him. He just looked a bit undersized. You didn't know if he was ever going to become anything, maybe a special teams guy. He looks like a legitimate linebacker right now. He is flying around the football, setting edges, getting pressures. He has been a joy to watch. I was going to say a revelation. That would have been a little bit strong, but he has been a joy to watch at inside linebacker. As mentioned yesterday, I think he might end up being linebacker three for Green Bay. I wouldn't even be shocked if they end up making some sort of role for Isaiah McDuffie this season. That's how good he has been in camp and preseason. Very excited about his progression. Number seven, a player we talked about just a second ago, Yash Nyman. Listen, sometimes these these, uh, projects don't always work out. Two years as a sort of redshirt in his third year, he gets some playing time, made the most of it. He's looked really good as a left tackle. And I didn't know if he was ever going to get to that point, uh, but I think he has really shown that he can be a starting tackle in this league. It may be more of a bottom tier starting tackle, but listen, if you are one of the best 32, or I guess best 64 tackles in football, you have a lot of value in this league and you're going to get paid. And if Green Bay has that on its roster while paying him peanuts because he's still a, you know, he was like an undrafted guy and so on and so forth, like an exclusive rights free agent, that is huge. And what he could potentially bring to the team as a starter at left tackle with experience until David Bakhtiari is ready to go, he is trending in the right direction and he has really put together a heck of a, uh, story from nothing to redshirt guy to starter to who knows, he could be the long-term starter for Green Bay if Bakhtiari can't really make it back full-time. So he's been on the right track for sure. Jake Hansen, I know this has been a little bit of a contentious one and people are like, why is Jake Hansen? I want to see Zach Tom in there. I want to see Zach Tom in there. Listen, I would make an argument and we'll talk about this other player in just a moment. I'd make an argument if you want a player off the starting line right now, I don't think it's Jake Hansen. I think it's Royce Newman. I think Jake Hansen's been just fine. And the, um, you know, the Packers have actually talked about, I forget, I think it was the offensive line coach or maybe it was Stenovich. I think it was Stenovich in uh, the, you know, obviously offensive coordinator now in the press conference who said that he thought Jake Hansen, uh, you know, has, has been one of the most impressive players so far in training camp. So uh, listen, they, they think very highly of him. We've heard that similar uh, context talked about Ben Braden and then Ben Braden got cut. So take some of that for what it's worth, but Listen, Jake Hansen's had a nice camp. He's doing a good job. And at worst case scenario, and I've talked about this in the past, at worst case scenario, I think he's their next Lucas Patrick. I think that's who he is. And that's a really nice player to have as a depth piece at worst along your offensive line. And Patrick put together some pretty decent playing time as a starter as well. If Jake Hansen could be the next Lucas Patrick, I think Green Bay would be very thrilled. I think he can be better than that. I'll just say that right now. I think they'd be thrilled to have that type of player as a sixth round pick. Next is Kobe Jones. You talk about a player who came out of absolutely nowhere. This guy was like a throw-in player that they signed before camp. Like you didn't think anything was going to come of this. And he's been really freaking good. Working with the ones at times, like he has earned his spot. I think he's a practice squad guy who will probably get called up for games this season. I think he's going to get a chance to play at some point this year. And hopefully he doesn't get, I don't think he's going to get claimed. I don't think he's been that good in the preseason games to get claimed. But uh, a guy that I thought was just a bottom tier player that didn't have much of a chance when they originally signed him to a guy that at minimum should be on the practice squad. That has been quite the story. And he had a really fun week of practice against the Saints. And then last uh, on the positive side is Shamar John Charles. This is a player too, where I thought last year, this is a Isaiah McDuffie situation. I thought both of those guys were late round picks that just didn't show anything a season ago. And usually when you see that, uh, what, fifth and sixth round pick, I want to say for uh, Shamar and and, uh, McDuffie, 
when you see that, like the odds that they come back the next year and just are like, all right, ready to go. Uh, and, and now there's something it, is, it usually just doesn't always happen that way. So the fact that Isaiah McDuffie is really playing well and is might be linebacker three. And the fact that Shamar John Charles really looks like he could compete with Keyshawn Nixon for that number four corner spot and has looked just ridiculously better than he did a season ago. I think it's a testament to these coaches and, and the scouting staff and how everything on this team is, you know, I think, really coming together from how Brian Gutekinds and company are evaluating these players to how the coaches are getting them ready to play. And it takes some time. We talked about that at the onset with Jordan Love, but we're starting to see some of these players in year two, year three. TJ Slayton's another one that could have been on this list. Like, like just the, the players continue to grow while they're with Green Bay. McDuffie, Shamar John Charles, TJ Slayton, I think great examples of that this offseason. All right, my 10 that are trending down, Tyler Davis. I don't need to go over this anymore. I don't need to drag this out any longer. He's had one of the worst camps you can possibly imagine. Has struggled in camp with drops and inconsistencies and not making plays. And then in preseason, his blocking's been simply atrocious. He hasn't caught the ball. He had an inter- you know, a play that resulted in an interception because he didn't catch the ball. He had a fumble. Like Those are things that cannot happen. And I'm going to say it again, the same thing I said yesterday. I got called out for it for some reason. There is potential within Tyler Davis. I know we want to cut everyone when they struggle. There is potential in him. He's fast. He's tall. He's got good hands usually, but he's been terrible and that matters. So I think, like I said, practice squad guy for Tyler Davis. I think there's some developmental potential there still, but as of right now, could not have could not have a player trending down more than Tyler Davis over the first two weeks of preseason and even throughout training camp. Number two, Sean Ryan. I love Sean Ryan's tape at UCLA. I thought he would be able to come in, hopefully break that third round curse and potentially be really what we're talking about, Zach Thomas, somebody that can come in and potentially start from you week one. That has not been the case for Sean Ryan. He has struggled immensely and he does not look ready to start at all. In fact, I think if Green Bay is starting Sean Ryan at some point this season, something has gone very wrong because I think the majority of the Packers offensive linemen are ahead of him right now. That is not to say, once again, that he can't develop into a really good player. I saw Josh Sitton when I watched him at UCLA. That's, that's how good I thought he was. So I think there's still a lot of potential there, but it's been a rough start and he he needs he needs better conditioning. He needs better, uh, he needs more, you know, just strength and uh, like an off-season conditioning program. And he needs way better technique. He, he has a ways to go. I think he can get there, uh, but it's going to take a little bit of time with Sean Ryan. Number three is Devontae Wyatt. And this is a player who has been a little bit slow on the upstart. And it was even noticeable in many camps and OTAs, but you were like, all right, the pads aren't on and trench players are tough to gauge. Let's see what happens when the pads come on. And the pads come on and training camp starts. Still wasn't making the big plays and you would see him get washed out of some run plays. Uh, He struggled this week against the Saints. Didn't do pretty much anything in his, his snaps in his first preseason game. This is very early for a defensive lineman. And I I just want to reiterate this again. This is not saying any of these players can't be good this year or in the future. Just saying that as of right now, they haven't been trending in the right direction. And that's not what you want to see from your 24-year-old defensive lineman. You're hoping you could come in and, you know, see a little bit more substance there. Now the flashes very much there in practice. You will see him all of a sudden have a quick first step and move just like defensive linemen don't move. But technique wise, 
and holding up at the point of attack wise, like those are things that he needs to be much better at. I think he's a rotational defensive lineman right now. He's the fifth best lineman on this defensive line. That's probably where he's going to stay. And even it wouldn't shock me if Jack Heflin is like the sixth defensive lineman, if on certain plays and on rundown specifically, if Heflin ends up getting more snaps than Devontae Wyatt, because Wyatt's got to hold up better at the point of attack. Number four is Patrick Taylor. Just think Tyler Goodson's been better. I think, you know, they had an opportunity to play Patrick Taylor in the playoff game against the 49ers when A.J. Dillon went down and have him be the A.J. Dillon in that game. They didn't. They just kept going with Aaron Jones. And if you didn't trust him then, and he's looked sort of, he hasn't looked as good this season as he did last season, like what, what are we doing then? And I just think at that point, if uh, if he hasn't been better than he was last season and you didn't want to use him last season, all right, then you go in a different direction. I think Tyler Goodson has looked like the better running back there and probably the one that I would keep at this point. Number five is Cole Van Landen. This is a player that early on in OTAs and mini camps was the starter and looked like he was going to get legit starting opportunities. And since training camp starts, that's not been the case. I think he struggled a little bit. And I think even guys like Caleb Jones have passed him along. And you start looking at that offensive lineman math. Elton Jenkins is off a of pup. If David Bakhtiari comes back, I think Cole Van Landen could ultimately be the odd man out. I talked about this player yesterday, Amari Rogers. I just haven't seen it yet. And I just need to see a little bit more, a little bit more burst, a little bit more acceleration, a little bit more run after the catch, a little bit more, you know, coming back to the football, making sure that you're physical at the catch point. I haven't seen those things from Amari Rodgers. And if you read between the lines, Rodgers has said that he wants his three guys to be Lazard, Watkins, and Cobb, right? He's also shouted out Romeo Dobbs and Jawan Winfrey. And then he's called out basically everyone else and the young guys, right? So I think, you know, Dobbs is part of that group that he's calling out as well, but he's signaled out the other five at, at or uh, what, it's five, right? At some capacity. And Christian Watson, we haven't seen yet. So who does that mean that he's ultimately calling out really? Again, I think Dobbs is part of that, but it's Amari Rogers and Samari Toure, probably with a little Danny Davis and, you know, Hyman and maybe those guys mixed in. But for the most part, I think he's probably calling out Amari, maybe a little bit of Toure, maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, of course, a little bit of um, Romeo Dobbs as well. But you can sort of read between the lines of who he wants to see play better. Amari Rodgers is very much in that list, I would think. And if you just start doing, again, some of the Aaron Rodgers math here, the three veterans are the guys he wants. He, I guarantee you he knows Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs are not going anywhere. He keeps calling out Jawan Winfrey. I guarantee you, if Brian Gutekind said you can keep six wide receivers, those are probably the six that he's going to keep right now. And Amari and Toure are probably not on that list. So just for what it's worth, I think Amari probably not trending super well in the right direction right now. Number seven is Rico Gafford. I thought at the beginning of camp, he really started out strong and was the I think the front runner for that number six corner position, I don't know if that's the case anymore. I think Keandre Thomas might ultimately pass him by. He has struggled as a cover corner. And ultimately, if you're kept as a corner, that's the most important thing. And number six, special teams matters a ton. Uh, you know, number six corner, the special teams matters a ton. But I mean, Shamar Jean Charles has been far better. Keyshawn Nix has been far better. The top three guys, of course, he's they're fighting for that number six spot. And that probably comes down to Ento, um, you know, I guess, you know, Gafford and, and the rest of that group. But uh, yeah, I, I, at this point, I, I think Gafford's probably on the outside looking in and it's a lot different than where he was at at the beginning of training camp. 
Number eight, Royce Newman, we talked about before. I was really hoping for a step from Royce Newman from year one to year two. Sort of some of the things that I'm talking about with Sean Ryan, where if you put on some functional strength and work on your technique a little bit, you can be in a better position. Royce Newman played a lot of snaps last year, some good, some bad, uh, but I thought he'd come back again with some more functional strength and be improved from a year ago. I haven't seen that so far. He looks kind of like the exact same player he was a season ago. And to me, that's a little bit disappointing, sort of trending down. Number nine, Rashid Walker just hasn't been able to do any team reps. So I was going to say at the beginning, like this doesn't include any players that are injured, right? So like Christian Watson and Darnell Savage, like none of those guys are trending wrong just because they're injured. That just is what it is. That's just injury. But Rashid Walker is injured to some extent, but he's still out there practicing every day. I think some of the injuries are holding him back, but just the he's running out of time, right? You're a late seventh round pick and you need to get out there. He didn't play in these last two preseason games. You just want to see him get back out there and, and hopefully put some good tape out there. But I, th- I think the, the time has probably already run out for him to make a 53-man roster, and he's probably going to have to you know be a practice squad guy for Green Bay. And then number 10 is Ty Summers, uh, just has not been part of their special teams plans. I thought he was really brutal tackling this week. And, you know, again, all of a sudden Quay Walker's on the team. Chris Barnes has looked great. Isaiah McDuffie looks great. And, you know, for Ty Summers, it's just not trending in the right direction for him. The player that's all over the place is Romeo Dobbs. And he has done a ton to trend up, up, up and just show you what he's capable of. He's done quite a bit to trend down as well in correct routes not tracking the ball, tons of drop passes, really poor blocking. Those are going to be things that get him in trouble and not on the field. And he is a super talented player. And we have seen that and he's going to consistently make plays. But I guarantee you, if this continues to happen with any sort of regularity, this Romeo Dobbs will go from on you know Twitter of like Hall of Fame Romeo Dobbs to they need to cut Romeo Dobbs in a very short period of time. That's how fickle all of Packer fans are. But that will be a trend if this continues for Romeo Dobbs. Super high on Romeo Dobbs. I think he's going to be a star in this league. I think he is a star in the making. And I think he's going to trend up before you know it. But started high, has had some really low lows, has had some more really high highs, some more really low lows, some more really high highs. That's just been the state of his camp so far. You want to see that level out on the upper end a little bit more But uh, like I said, still very excited, but not sure what to make of Romeo Dobbs stock right now because there's no wide receiver. Clearly on this roster, there's no wide receiver that has even come close to making the plays that he has made in practice and in games. No receiver close, not Lazard, not Cobb, not Watkins, not any of them. I'm not sure that all of the rest of the wide receivers combined have the plays that Romeo Dobbs has in camp and preseason so far. And that's not hyperbole. I think that's legitimately true. I also don't know that any of the other receivers combined have, well, that's not true. We've had a lot of snafus from the wide receiver, but I don't think any other wide receivers had some of the snafus that Romeo Dobbs has had either. So the stock's a little bit all over the place, still higher than lower, but you want to see that even out and again on the high side sooner rather than later. That's going to do it for me today. I appreciate you. This was way longer than I was expecting because I went on a 12-minute Jordan Love diatribe at the beginning that I wasn't expecting, but uh, I still had a lot of fun with this one. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe, follow, like, etc. cetera, uh, if you haven't already. I'll be right back here tomorrow with a brand new episode. You're getting three straight days of Andy, so I apologize for that uh, on the audio podcast. Obviously, you get me every day on YouTube. But uh, until next time, and as always, go Paco.